0: hey i'm tim and i'm drew and this is the hearts and hands podcast
1: in season three episode two we continue our conversation with faith belt and mike westendorf about distracting from truth in art
0: Welcome to another episode of the Hearts and Hands podcast. I'm your host Tim Babbler, joined as always by my co-host Drew Sonnenberg. And Drew, I don't know about you, but I'm loving this conversation so far.
1: Yeah, uh, we we said it a little bit last week, but I'll say it again. I don't know that we necessarily end up with a lot of answers, and probably end up with more questions than we started with. But it was just a, a fascinating conversation all around. So let's get back to it. I was I was struggling with how to raise this as you were talking about, you know, Chris Tomlin and things like that that oh have you heard the new song that Chris Tomlin wrote? But at the same time like if if you know a great artist and you appreciate their work because of how it points to truth and things mm-hmm. like that, then I think it's very natural to be like hey, did you hear the new Gray Havens album because it's super good, just like all their other work that does such a good job pointing to truth. So That's what I'm telling you. It's a new Grey Havens album because I know it. Hopefully, that means to you that it's going to point to truth. It's also going to be really pleasant to listen to, but you know, that's just almost a byproduct. Tim, what are you thinking?
0: Yeah, I recognition is one thing, and I would say there's nothing wrong with recognition especially considering us as faith-based faith-based artists right we're all christian creators Mm -hmm. and what we do is a reflection of our creator we create because we have been created and mike you mentioned that right
1: Mm -hmm.
0: we we are a reflection of him when we do that and if we get to share some of his beauty with the world even the non-believing world whatever it is a piece of art may be seen by thousands of eyes a song may be heard by thousands of ears and it's not going to come across the same way to every single person, but there's going to be enough people like, you know what? That artist deserves recognition because their work is great. And that's, I would say that recognition is deserved, is appreciated, is welcomed until, and again, I guess I don't know where the line is. Yeah. When, when <laughs> it's, when is the line being crossed? When are we elevating the person or their work or quite simply, above God, because that's that's what idolism is. Any anything you prioritize ahead of Him, and it can be so subtle we don't see it happen.
2: Yeah, and then and then all of a sudden we start playing the game that the Pharisees started playing, right? Where they said, "Okay, well, if that's the line we don't cross, and I'm going to create two more lines further back so that I don't get anywhere near that." And and in comes this this legalism that says, "Well, we don't want to. We don't want any art." Uh, in here because the art has the potential to be used improperly so therefore we won't create art or we won't celebrate art um, we'll acknowledge that it might be possible but it's probable that it won't be used that way so we create these these rules for it and 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 then uh, uh, when you create rules for the art that aren't uh, biblical then you also uh, I I have felt this anyway that that then all of a sudden those rules apply to me as an as a creative person and um, as a as a as a Christian you know all of a sudden like hey Mike you know that art has been used improperly in the past therefore the art that you're creating is dangerous you shouldn't create that art and as a as a person who who writes modern uh, songs with uh, an understanding of some of our history um but for a long time uh i was a little afraid to share those songs with the world because of what are what are other christians gonna say because it might not be it could be used improperly
1: yeah i think uh, one core principle we have at Illum that i really enjoy is that we operate based on ideals not abuses um so, like you were saying, Mike, uh, about this might be used improperly, so I shouldn't make it. That's, that's operating based on abuses. Like, this may, this might be abused, so don't do it. Rather right. than saying, uh, in an ideal situation, this won't be abused. This will be used properly. This will be understood properly. It'll point people to the truth. So, I think that ties in here a little bit. I also, something Tim was saying about, a piece being seen or heard by thousands of people made me think about just how important art can be because mike i'm i'm willing to bet thousands of people have heard at least one of your songs but yeah at this point probably uh, I'm also willing to bet you haven't met all of those thousands of people. No. <laughs> uh, no. So you, because you created something, though, you were able <clears throat> to communicate truth to those people. And that's something I think of, of value that art has and an encouragement to us as artists to keep doing it um, because we can reach more people with truth than we would be able to otherwise. Especially in a digital era where it, everything's so easily
2: shareable yeah yeah, I remember faith when I saw when I saw that because you know we you and I have had a chance to talk you know a number of times and we're actually kind of working on some co art pieces together uh, I remember reading that and just thinking you know I'm a little older, but I wrestled I wrestle with this now, and I was afraid of it when I was younger as I started, you know, um, actually putting together art that I, I would want to share with people. And for some of the reasons that you said, like a lot of art, honestly, like songwriting, um, a lot of it is pretty personal. It's, it's, um, my wrestling with trying to understand God or something that God's put on my heart. And it so of really does begin in a, in a, I don't know that it's a self-serving w- way necessarily, but a self-aware way. Self is definitely involved in it, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that's kind of as it should be. God's doing things in relationship with us. And and then if the art uh, is something that might be shareable, having the courage to share it because my story or what, what I've been um, able to write may have else that would allow them to feel, to, to see or to feel um, the freedom that I have or the forgiveness that I have or the relief that I have by singing or saying these words. So I remember when I saw that, you know, that when art becomes a distraction to truth instead of pointing to it and being hard to nav- navigate the terrain, I remember just saying, thinking to myself, Faith, I hope that you you don't, I hope Satan doesn't get you to believe that you should stop using your creativity, um, because there's a threat or a risk that, um, you might not have, you might not point to truth as effectively as you would, or that for some people it points to truth and for other people, it, it points to something completely different. And so I think part of what I was, was thinking is, is I hope that we don't get discouraged when, the art that maybe we even started self in a self-centered way, but trying to point to uh, to Jesus, um, that we give ourselves a bit of a break and not stop the process of learning how to be truth tellers in our art.
3: Yeah, I've been I've been thinking a lot about that that lately. Self doubt can be just as as Self-absorbed as as arrogance, or mm-hmm. like thinking you're better than everyone else. Um, yeah, I I don't know. It's that's kind of what I've been struggling with lately. You know, I when I started school, when I started college, I I remember I made this piece that was like very. It was a very blatant Christian piece of art. Like, it was very illustrative in the sense that, like, it's a picture of a cross and it's a picture of a nativity scene. And I remember having, like, a, a small show with my class and, like, people would go around and they they would look at it and then they would immediately move on to the next piece. Because those were images that they have seen, like, a thousand times from... Uh, just taking art history classes, or just it's everywhere. Like we, we know like the Renaissance was mostly religious art, and they're famous today. So we, that's still recognizable to people. And I realize like I can't, I can't exactly spark conversation with people with starting with a piece of art like that. Right. So I started taking a route. Um oh actually it was it was the Hearts and Hands Workshop. Workshop, thank you. (laughs) I I was talking to Anna Biedenbender and I was talking about that piece of art that I made and how it kind of it, it didn't resonate with anybody because I I do go to a secular school, um, and, and her workshop was about bridging the gap between the secular world and the, the, like Christian world. And one quote that I wrote down from her workshop was that we are all seekers. And I've kind of like just run with that. Um, so a lot of these pieces are more like they're very much about doubt like my own doubt and uh, things that you don't really talk about like in a Sunday school class um, or like even in in some Christian communities you don't talk about doubt as much or like these really tough questions that you have but I kind of by making art about that, I've had a lot more conversations with my peers like here at school than I ever did with that first piece. That was very like Christian, just outright. But
2: That's great. I, I have, uh, I've said before that sometimes as a Christian artist, I feel as though my hands are cuffed. Because every song I have, you know, as a Christian artist, I feel the pressure and the burden to always end a song with, but Jesus. So if I, tr- if I speak about the truth of pain, like what sin has done in the world, I, I, I don't necessarily have to call it out for that. But, but wherever there is pain or hurt, sin is a part of that. Either sin to me um, or sin that I've committed and I live with the consequence of what I've done. That I always have to finish with, but Jesus, but Jesus. So I I feel that. And in secular music, I remember, uh, you know, uh, you guys, I'm assuming, you know, talk to Luke Thompson, but one of the things that Luke had, had helped me realize that when he had told me, pay attention when culture is celebrating some piece of art, whether it's music or a play or a movie, pay attention because culture doesn't like to be honest. And so when it's celebrating something that's resonating in the culture, it's actually showing part of its heart. And so when the breakup song that Taylor Swift sings, and you know, there's immediately 3 million downloads for it. What is it that she's saying? That's actually true. Now she doesn't have the answer. Um, her lyrics won't point to the, or I'd play a song by Dave Matthews, who's agnostic at best. Uh, but certainly has has had some interaction with faith-based people. But he wrote a song called "Gray Street," and when you hear him play that live, his screaming out at the end is is um, it's gut wrenching because it's truthful and honest. And when you read Psalm eighty-eight, I think of the the psalm writer in the same valley just crying out. And just saying it hurts and it, I love Psalm 88 because the Psalm doesn't end with, but Jesus, it just says the darkness is my closest friend and that's it. And so when we talk about that idea of art telling a truth, I think that's, it's important for us to not feel always the compulsion in the moment to complete that bit of the truth but to let it have space to resonate so that we can really wrestle with where is that, where is that pain coming from and where does a pain find a resolution. And I think that art that doesn't answer the question for the viewer uh, can sometimes be very, very powerful because it puts people on a path of curiosity to find out, well, Will I ever get better? I mean, how many songs have done that, right? Secular songs do it all the time, but Christian songs always want to try to get in there. But Jesus, and sometimes in the moment of my pain, I, I just need to be able to say I hurt and let God come and and hold me. He doesn't need to say anything. And so that's the that's a risk for me, I think, sometimes when, when you think about Christian art is that we may say almost t- too much that it doesn't connect um, with the person who needs it most.
0: This is something that we've talked about on the on the podcast in the past, where as soon as something is labeled as a Christian, it's somehow inferior to everything else
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> And do you want to be known as a Christian artist? Well, I mean, if you're writing Christian songs, it probably makes sense, right? Or if you are right. painting religious pictures or sculpting religious you know items, you're known as a Christian, but why is it that suddenly that title makes it makes you inferior or makes your uh, product not worth the same as someone else's as far as recognition goes or anything like that? And why do you have to always be, you know, it, <laughs> this might sound weird, but like ramming Jesus down people's throats. We <laughs> need a minute for them to always, I, I have a lot of friends outside of the church world and I think of it this way, I live my life in such a way that they know I'm a Christian, I am not doing anything to compromise my morals or beliefs. But at times it's just like, oh yeah, like I totally forgot like you can do like yeah, I, I can do normal stuff, you know? I can go bowling, I can I can go <laughs> grab a beer at the bar with my friends. I know that's <laughs> that sounds dumb, <laughs> but at the same time like yeah, I'm I'm not somehow isolated or I I don't sit in church 12 hours a day. Well, actually I kind of do cuz I work there, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's it's not to the same extent where I'm not allowed to Live a a quote-unquote regular life or create quote-unquote regular art that people can appreciate still.
1: Mike, I want to get back to something you were saying about your songwriting that you struggle with not ending every song with but Jesus. It reminded me of a struggle I have. I, I think we're in slightly different scenarios because you you record your own albums and perform concerts and things like that. Whereas most of the time when I'm writing songs, I'm writing it specifically to be sung by a congregation and Mm -hmm. just certain things you think about differently when you know that a hundred people are going to be singing this on Sunday. So the, the, one of the things I struggle with is the, the balance between being clear and people aren't going to get the point or it's going to miss the mark for some people. And I feel like then I I steer away from that. And then I hate every song I write because it's just like very basic truths stated very plainly without any level of artistry whatsoever. That's an interesting,
2: uh, yeah, that's an interesting pull. You know, I don't, I don't know the answer. I'm just throwing this out there, but when we write for somebody to, to use it or consume it, you know, are we writing with a different intention? You know, the, the, what's the purpose of the art, you know, and, in faith, you know, it's diff- probably different for you than it is for a musician necessarily, but I'd be kind of curious to, you know, what's your motive for making a piece of art? You will, you know, are, are you, especially if it's something that would be mass consumed, and you know, if you're writing for a congregation, like you said, I mean, there are certain rules that we have to play by. It's singability, it's key. I, I I love your your sensitivity to the clarity of the lyrics and what they mean, Drew. I think that that's awesome. But those are those are going to be curbs to you know play a chord in a space where it might not necessarily be singable, but you could create some some appropriate tension you know or the 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 lyrics that you choose the kind of poetry that you write so yeah how much does creating for an audience versus telling your story how does that i was going to say change the artist or how does the artist have to adapt their the rules by which they create depending on who's who the audience is
3: I, I actually have a similar question about like the responsibility of an artist, and I guess this is specifically visual artists, but I, I think it could branch out too, but the responsibility of the artist to communicate a message and communicate it well and maybe communicate it in a different way like versus the responsibility of a viewer, to be educated or open oh, to that oh, thing. Oh yes. I also don't have an answer for that. I have no idea.
2: That's a great tension though to bring up. That's that. I think that's that's great. And I know that pastors struggle with that. You know, it's one of the the frustrations sometimes in the generation that we live in, in which I teach seventh grade public school kids, and I think that there are a lot of adults in America who, who have heard of Jesus or were around church when they were a kid or something like that, and may even call themselves a Christian, but they've got basically a seventh grade understanding of, of this, but you know, they're 52 years old (laughs) and um, they've had this, all of these opportunities to be more educated and yet, you know, they don't, or we don't want to, or let's just take the the Christian sitting in the pews for 50 years but never really wanting to go to a Bible study class and never really wanting to know what it means to reach out with their faith, but just to be content to be quote unquote fed. Yeah. At what point is there a responsibility of the, uh, of the person coming, man, I I don't know that there is an answer to it. I just think that there's, that's part of the artistic tension that all of us who create art live in. It's, it's, there's no rule for it.
1: Yeah. I think I was trying to think. The the type of Christian stories that I want to read are going to have like really deep themes in them. But you can easily read uh, many of these stories, and if you as the as the audience are not taking the time to think about the themes, to think more deeply about the metaphors that are being thrown out there, or or to educate yourself about the fact that this is a Christian author and he is trying to convey Christian themes and things like that. Like I'm sure there are millions of people who have read the lion, the witch in the wardrobe and just thought it was a funny little story about some kids and some anthropomorphic animals and like (laughs) that, you know, it's a cute story to tell kids and they don't think at all about like redemption and things like that. But it's just a cute story. It's got it well paced and plotted and all that stuff but they don't think any more deeply than that and like you can't fault C.S. Lewis for that he did his part I maybe get that ideals not abuses thing
2: and they were the educated ones who should get it how many other people just thought it was like oh listen to this funny teacher you know feeding the (laughs) 5,000
0: his his own disciples were like hey what did you mean back there yeah (laughs) Yeah.
1: Like if his own disciples had to ask him what he meant, I'm sure none of the rest of the crowd got it. <laughs> right,
2: right. And yet he still told them, you know, and that's where I'm, I'm think I just think as we've been talking this, it, boy, really, how do, how do we create art that points to the truth? I, doesn't it come back to our heart then? Really, I can't speak to anything else. And if God allows it to touch the lives of, of thousands of people, um, then I I ask God for the humility to distance myself from what he did with the art and keep the purpose of the art that I created very, very simple in my own mind so that, that Satan doesn't get a foothold and make me or make that piece of art my idol or, or truly an idol, but that when people talk to me, I always have the story of why this piece of art, I created it. You know, this is what was going through my mind and, and it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, faith. It could be a, a, an ugly piece of art that just speaks to a time when, uh, you had a lot of doubts, you know? Uh, So yeah. Where is our heart when we create, art when we pen a song um and just be honest about where your heart is at amen yeah (laughs) awesome
1: well we want to thank both for taking the time to to chat with us tonight this was super fun conversation um just thank you so much for
2: being here well thanks for having us
3: yeah thank you
1: That wraps it up for another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have questions, you want answers to people you'd like to hear from, or you are an artist that wants to talk about the newest thing you're working on, feel free to reach out to us at heartsandhandspodcast.gmail.com or on any social media platform at Wells Creatives.
0: And be sure to check out our Patreon page at patreon.com slash heartsandhandspodcast. Our patrons get exclusive content and early access to certain things, so make sure to check us out there, and thanks all for your support.